and lots of back combing, long hairpins, stiff pomade, things like that. Mm -hmm. Do you mean to say, Your Majesty, that you had professional hairdressers just as we have today? Well, it was at their size, sir, that many of your modern hairdos were invented. Wow. The pompadour, for example, came from Madame de Pompadour. We celebrated the events of the day with our hairstyles. I once had a whole ocean in a storm up there. <laughs> and when your American Revolution was the subject of conversation in Paris, Mr. President, we celebrated it with our hairstyles. Mm. Your Majesty, uh, how did you climb into your carriages with uh, such high hairdressers? Well, we just picked up our skirts and knelt down, sir. <laughs> you know, even the ceilings and the boxes and the theaters had to be reconstructed into arches to accommodate us. I see. Of course, the young girls today, Your Majesty, don't have the uh, time to fix their hair as you did. No, poor thing. Well, they would do well to study the, uh, the femininity and the charm of the 18th century. Thank yes. you, Mr. President. Of the upper classes, anyway, Mr. President. It must have been a bit more difficult for the poor. Well, of course, <laughs> at Versailles, we had nothing to do all day long, the men included, but beautify ourselves. I guess you were sort of the original jet set, huh? Pardon me? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> uh, could you tell us, Your Majesty, what was the court life day by day? What was it really like? At Versailles, you mean? Yes. Oh, well, of course, ours was the most sumptuous palace in the whole world. We had over a hundred rooms and 2,000 beautiful horses in the stable. 2,000 horses? Oh, yes, yes, and over 4,000 servants, mm. all dressed in stunning livery. I imagine life must have been very formal at Versailles. Oh, very formal, yes, indeed. The ladies and gentlemen of the court were always dressed in, oh, the most gorgeous brocades and silks and, of course, exquisite jewels mm. and... Well, we just danced or gambled. I love to gamble. <laughs> or masqueraded all day long in those beautiful ballrooms with the crystal chandeliers and everywhere gleaming silver and gold. Oh, it was very extravagant. Mm. Yes, Versailles was the most extravagant, the most elegant, and the most utterly boring place in the whole world. <laughs> Versailles was boring? Oh, utterly. In fact, it bored me so much that I persuaded my husband, the king, to give me my own little palace, mm -hmm. the Petit Trianon. It wasn't very far from Versailles, and... That's where I spent much of my time entertaining my most intimate friends. I see. Well, thank you, Your Majesty. Before we go any further, I want now to um, introduce our other guests, who I know will also be most interested in your stories of Versailles. Well, one of them at least I should be most pleased to meet. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think I see trouble ahead. Well, that one, of course, would be the distinguished Lord Chancellor under King Henry VIII. Yes, exactly. He was probably the most honest man in England in his day, and his courage and strength I've been an inspiration to many down through the ages. Sir Thomas More. Welcome, Your Lordship. Thank you, sir. How kind of you to invite me. Our pleasure indeed. Make yourself comfortable. Thank you. You know, it's just occurred to me, sir, Her Majesty was, sad to say, uh, beheaded by the people of Paris, we might say by the left wing, uh, you were beheaded at the order of King Henry VIII by, we might say, the right wing. So then there can be danger from either democracy or monarchy. Oh, indeed, sir. We live on a singularly dangerous planet. But we are well advised to give more thought to how we live than to how we may die. Mm -hmm. Which brings to mind our next guest. Although he had the interest of the poor and oppressed at heart when developing his philosophy, his followers have nevertheless been responsible for executing millions in some of the nations which have come under their control. I'm certain that uh, he will want to comment on that awkward fact. To describe him as controversial would be to put it very mildly. He's revered by millions, hundreds of millions, and with equal fervor hated by millions of others. He and his associate, Frederick Engels, published a pamphlet in 1848, and our world has not been the same since. 1848 was itself, of course, a year when all Europe trembled in revolutionary ferment. It was the year when the Communist Manifesto was written by our next guest, 
Ladies and gentlemen, the founder of the most influential mass movement since Christianity, Dr. Karl Marx. Welcome, Dr. Marx. I'm afraid, sir, that uh, such a response from our audience is probably inevitable given the political history of the last half century. Make yourself comfortable, sir. In any event, I assure you that you will be uh, permitted to speak at length and freely here this evening. Thank you, sir. You referred in your introduction to the fact that I'm hated by some. Mm -hmm. Presumably, they hate me out of concern for their own freedoms. But there is one point I should like... Uh, that my opponents should understand, Your Majesty, that the common man in France in your day have the freedom to say who would rule him, did he control very much at all of his own destiny. Oh, well, I... I...